everyone, you're listening to Little Bit of Spice, hosted by me, Jessica. This podcast talks about the good and bad parts of being brown. Every Friday, I'll have different generations talking about how they grew up and how they overcame their struggles. This podcast was started because I felt that the new generation of brown people were falling into the same ways as our parents had, where we don't talk about our struggles and we put on an act to show people that we are okay. I hope that this podcast will show you that it is okay to reach out for help. The people on this podcast are not trained professionals and if you do find yourself struggling, please reach out for help. I hope you enjoy. Hi everyone, I'm here with my mother. Hi. So mom, tell us something about yourself. My name is Sukji and I grew up in a small town on Vancouver Island called Nanaimo in British Columbia, Canada. So uh, when did you immigrate? Uh, my family immigrated in the early 70s to Canada. I started grade one here. Um, first, I went to Mackenzie Elementary in Vancouver for a few months, and then we moved to Nanaimo, and that's where I did all my schooling. So Nanaimo. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming it was, like, primarily white. Yeah, all good. Eh? <laughs> uh, so how were your guys' classes? Growing up, up until I think grade six, seven, I was the only brown kid. Um, and in grade six and seven, I had one other brown kid who actually doesn't technically even count as a brown kid because he was more white than the white kids. Um, and then, yeah, that was that was it. And then high school, there was a bit more of us, or a few more of us, but that was life. So... You guys had, like, a small number of, like, brown people in mm-hmm. the town. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just wondering, was it, like, were you guys tight? No, a little bit, depending. So, we were tight when we went to the Gurdwara. Okay, so being the only brown person in class, mm-hmm. did you ever feel, like, alone? Yes, for sure. Um, there were certain things that the other kids did just didn't get or understand uh growing up it was really weird because at times you know we were part of this large group of friends and family and things like that and then other times you felt so alone give us an example of when you felt alone like parent teacher conferences or uh, anything to do with where the parents were involved in school. Our parents tried to get involved, but they never really knew how. And then, you know, the Goringa moms, they would be bringing the lunches, the birthday cakes and all that stuff. And our moms just didn't know really how to do any of that. So do you think that influenced you when you did have kids? You more like <laughs> What do you think, Jessica? What do you think? You guys grew up with me, me being your mom. And um, how much did I actually... Like, I think I went over the top. Like with Kevin, Devin, and you, all of you, even Steven, guys. Like I went over the top for your guys' birthdays at school. You're being part of the pack. And just being so involved... To the point of where you guys wouldn't let me get involved in high school. Oh, that is 100% true. I mean, I wanted to be, but you guys wouldn't let me. Yeah, because mm. now we grow out of it. Yeah. <laughs> now we want the school to you just didn't want. You just didn't want the pack president, Sukjit. Honestly. Hey, pack president Sukjit really went through it in uh, Christmas and kindergarten. Mm. Best one, right? That was like, I still remember it. Forest of Christmas. Yeah, it was good times. Pancake breakfast and basically just setting up that school like oh my gosh yeah so like, forest Christmas, Christmas forest yeah, it was yeah. um okay so you had to display more like I didn't have to do anything I wanted to okay so you wanted to display more yeah like, so did you ever feel like you were losing yourself at points um. <sighs> Maybe like in elementary school and high school a little bit. Like I felt like um, up until probably grade 
10, grade 11, I started acknowledging that, okay, we're brown and started appreciating being brown more. But growing up, like through elementary and, and junior high, uh, shout out Barsby, um, junior high, we then, yeah, definitely we were trying to fit in me and any, any of the other brown kids. We were just trying to be so white, a.k.a. Sue, um, came out in elementary school and stuck all the way through. And then once I got older, then I started appreciating what our culture actually had to offer. And to give my mom and my family credit, they always try to instill that in us at home. But growing up, sometimes you just didn't want to hear it and listen to it. Okay, so being that you wanted to display more like white with quotation marks Mm -hmm. i was wondering did you ever have to face a challenge like challenges give me an example like what do you mean by face challenges like hmm. so i'll give you an example so if tell me if this is on the right path so for example like our christmas pageants like did you know that in elementary school we actually had a teacher who used to make us do the lord's prayer every morning no way yeah we sang god save the queen yeah in elementary school so any any um school like assemblies and everything uh first came god save the queen then came oh canada yeah, that was uh, up until I think when Trudeau brought our constitution over and then it changed over to where we just sang O Canada. But uh, then I in I think it was grade six or seven, I can't remember which year it was, our teacher used to make us do the Lord's Prayer. Every morning, our Father who art in heaven, how I know the whole thing. Our Father who art in heaven, how hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven on and on and which i respect and i love because i love all religions and i actually read the bible twice wow yeah i did um and every religion has really good things to offer but i remember um when i was in grade six seven actually fighting with my teacher I actually went and I voiced my opinion and I said, but why are you making me do the Lord's Prayer? Because I'm not Christian, I'm sick, and my religion is different, and I don't think I should need to, I I need to recite the Lord's Prayer. So it was me, the other brown kid in my class didn't speak anything. He sat there like a bump on a log. (laughs) Thank you, Kim. Kim Sohoda. did nothing and uh then i fought and i had one other person join me but guess what he was he used to worship the devil like actually he worshiped the devil and he didn't think he needed to say the lord's prayer against it it went against his beliefs so there was him and me oh my god he had seances and everything i was part of his seances in grade seven Mm mm-hmm what? Yeah, yet we he would do devil seances. One time, he actually gave me his devil's book, and I took it home. And then I was so freaked all night; I didn't sleep because I thought the devil was gonna pop out of that book to come and kill me or something. And I was like, "Take it back! Do do not ever give it to me again. I don't want it." Oh my god. Yeah, it was crazy. But so it was the devil worshipper and the sick girl <laughs> trying to fight the fact that we we didn't think that, you know, Christianity beliefs had to be imposed on us. And so no not nobody complained about it like just the two of us. To the principal nothing like no. Just the two of us. I took it all the way to the principal. Oh my god. You know your mama? Yeah, yeah, great. Yeah, guess who stopped That's doing the Lord's not. Prayer? Yeah, guess who didn't do the Lord's Prayer? Holy, yeah. so you just sat there all day doing it? Yeah, so I used to sit it out. Oh my God. I can't believe you were in a seance. I was in a part of a seance a couple of times. What were you thinking? Well, it was actually just fun. It was like, it was, you know what? It, 
Yeah, and then some of the kids say chairs flew, this happened, that happened, but I'm not sure that I can't remember that being happened. I don't remember that happening. Yeah, what the, the devil worshiper. Jeff and I, the two rebels. Oh my god. <laughs> I can't believe that. I'm actually shocked right now. Yeah. So like just random recess. Oh, let's just go. Lunch time. Lunch time. Okay, let's just go and do a seance. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. A few times. Holy! Just was it just a whole group of you? A few of us. Five, six of us. Wow, I'm actually very. Uh huh. Uh huh. So like, did you ever tell Bluma Nani no no one? I can't remember. I think Bilu Mama probably knew. Bilu Mama knew that kid was a devil worshipper, and, and his mom was a witch. Just keep... Why? Why? Yeah, his mom was a Harry Potter before the day. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, his mom was a witch, and he was a devil worshipper. That uh, just took a turn. Mm. Like history of mommy, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. Holy, that actually took uh, a twist. Uh, uh, but mind you, I held my sick beliefs to my core. Yeah. Of course you did. Because guess who was sitting there crying in the corner? Why go? Why go? Why go? Why go? That would be me. <laughs> that, that and any. <laughs> yep, for sure. Yep. <laughs> Kids worshiping the devil, and I'm sitting there going, Waiguru, 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 Waiguru. Oh, I'm actually crying right now. Oh, <laughs> yep. <I> just... <laughs> <laughs> what was the episode called? <laughs> Get to know Sukhjit. Holy. <laughs> You know what? This kid and I actually argued our religious beliefs to the principal, to the school, saying that we were allowed to... And guess what the sad part is? The devil worshiper and the sick girl were held in the same context. Oh my god. That's how whitewashed and Christianity-oriented the community was. Holy... <laughs> It was, it was the same level. Oh my god, I'm actually shocked right now. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I can just see the little swoosh. Are you, are you? Oh <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Okay, so clearly the role models you had weren't like, they weren't wow they were sick right so did that ever set limits for you 100 percent. because there's certain things that if i thought other people were accomplishing what i had in my head then i would have been able to break some barriers and move forward but i didn't know any better i thought there were limitations on what i could do can you give us an example? Jessica, I had no clue about knowing anyone growing up that was either brown and a doctor, a lawyer, um, a successful businesswoman. Um, I knew a lot of brown girls that were good housewives. I knew, really? a, yeah, I knew a lot of girls that were good secretaries. I knew a lot of good brown girls that fit into them. Not only brown girls, I would actually even go further and say even any girl. Like there were limitations that were put on women that fit into a mold. And then I didn't see anything outside that mold. Um, so what was your first, like, experience with a brown, per like, representation? Like, the brown representation. What was your first? Like, challenges that my generation has to, like, experience and yours? So, 
I don't know if a lot of your listeners are going to be able to relate to this, but you're definitely like second, third, even fourth generation, depending on which family tree that you're looking at um, in Canada, right? So you have different challenges, which I know you and I have spoken about, um, where kids will call you whitewashed. And I know you hate that term and it really upsets you because you're very close to your heritage and your ancestry and your culture. But other people will think that, oh, Jessica's whitewashed and then that upsets you. But whereas being me, being a child of immigrants growing up in Canada, I felt like I needed to be more whitewashed be more that when I was in elementary and junior high when I didn't know who I was but I was trying to adapt to whoever was around me and I think maybe it's weird but you know generational generations apart I was dealing with the reverse of what you dealt with but at the same time I was trying to fit in with my peers and you were trying to fit in your with your peers growing up in Surrey and I know Kevin and Devin have mentioned this quite a few times because if I grew up in a small town, your guys' dad even grew up in a smaller town. Oh, 100%. Campbell yeah, River. Really oh, cool. gosh. He grew up in Campbell River. So, and we all know how whitewashed your dad is. <laughs> Not your mom. Honestly, people thought my da- dad, dad was Italian. For yeah, all, for sure. All of uh, grade six. Yeah, uh, yeah, I got that a lot of times. Like, why'd you marry a white guy? I was like, no, he's brown. He is brown. But still, um, having said that, like, with with your guys' dad, even Kevin and Devin used to always say that because I think they're more connected to being brown than even your dad is. But that's also because dad grew up in a whiter town than you did. Yeah. So, For like, sure. I 100% believe that. It's just basically, like, where, like, he had all white friends, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He was, he was a boxer. Yeah. Basketball player. Yeah. Basketball player. And he soccer. went to Sunday school at one point. Oh, he did go to Sunday school. I forgot about that. And soccer. Oh, and soccer, yeah. He yeah, played. and he went to Sunday school. Yeah. So, like, if you think about that in a white, like, a very white town more than yeah. yours... Yeah, hundred percent believe it. Cause now look at here. It's look here. It's mm-hmm. all brown. Yeah, cause even in Nanaimo, it's so exactly even in Nanaimo. So when we were like not when we were in our lower grades, we didn't. I don't think we had Punjabi school when we were like youngerish, like grade four or five. I think it was more like grade six or no, maybe grade five that Punjabi school came into play. Mm-hmm. And we would go a couple of times a week and we would, and it was just a fun time to go hang out with your other friends and just play around and stuff. But we did learn some Punjabi. And then, um, but whereas we d- were doing that in Nanaimo, your dad was going to Sunday school. Yeah. So different. I think he did exactly what you did where you have to display more, like you had, you didn't have to, you wanted to. But, white, but having said that, to this day, and I think you guys can attest to it, your dad is has more Indian core values in some situations than even I do. Oh, 100%. Like, I'll be like, no, you guys, that's okay. You know what? I'm okay with that. But dad comes across and he's like this big, dissy guy. Yeah, honestly, when you see this dude, you look like, not you realize that mm-hmm, he's like that. Mm-hmm. No, 100%. Yeah. But I... I'll admit, some, now, ever since he went with the bus drivers, like, Buddha Mama, <laughs> he got even brown. No, no, he's always like that. He's always like that, but yeah. Uh, no, he's always like that. That's Buddha Mama issue. You know, Buddha Mama was a lot whiter than he used to be. Oh my God. I used to be the dissy person. I was the goody-goody. I was the dissy girl. And uh, Buddha Mama was more white. Oh my god. is so white. You know, Bilumama used to have epic house parties at home. <gasps> no. Epic. Like we would be berry picking in Vancouver and Bilumama would be home and he would have these house parties that I still when I run into old friends, we'll still talk about those house parties. No. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, crazy <laughs> house parties that I will tell you about when you're like forty. Come on. No, ask me, the mama. I'm sure. I'm. Gonna, I will not talk about it because I did hear about it through the grapevine. You go ask mama. So like just. Oh, I'm just like, I'm shocked. How, hmm. though? Like, how, like, I was just talking to my friends the other day about how do you not get your house trashed and the next day is, like, perfect? Oh, no. Our house got trashed. And then we would come back and things would be broken and this and that. Let's move on from house parties and everything and let's go straight into how did you deal with underlying racism? I didn't even know it was racism. So there were, so there's the underlying racism, Jessica, and then there's the obvious blatant racism that we faced. And you know what? It's a lot easier to face the blatant, obvious racism because those people, you're like, okay, yeah, these people are racist. They hate us, you know, from the point of where um, they broke our windows they egged our house. Um, they used to walk and they'd be like, hey, Hindu, Hindu, like all that stuff. Fine. I can deal with that. You know what? Bring it on. I'll fight you one-on-one. But the underlying racism is this racism that's actually really scary or was as a kid because then you got confused because you thought, okay, these are my friends. This is my, these are my friend's parents. And these are like, this is the, the, the people that I'm with or hanging out with their birthday parties, mm-hmm. whatever we were doing. And then knowing like, okay, you know what? Like just the, the little bit of like, oh, um, just that, you know, you won't understand. You don't get this or just being treated a little bit different. And then not knowing why you were being treated a little bit different. And then as a child, taking it upon yourself as that maybe you did something to deserve that. Mm -hmm. Or you did something um, that you shouldn't have done or whatever it was. And then blaming yourself for it because you didn't realize that maybe these people just didn't understand and i don't think they even meant to be racist yeah they didn't because they're good people Mm -hmm. right but they didn't know any better so when did you start realizing it was underlying racism okay until now when i think about it is when i probably put it okay this is what it was but it was like stigma, not even racism, more stigma. Okay. Like, you know, oh, uh, you guys only eat curry at home. You know, oh, your curry is like this. Or, oh, you guys are all Hindus, right? Because yeah. that's what, growing up, we, they never, people didn't have a clue who Sikhs were. Yeah. We were all just, everybody was blanketed Hindu. Yeah, and then, um, so, like, even when, remember I told you I grew, like, I went to, not I didn't grow up here, but I went to Mackenzie Elementary in Vancouver, yeah. and walking up, like, on a night street, 33rd at night, mm-hmm. it was Billy Mama, me, and my three guy cousins, uh, Puppy Mama guys, mm-hmm. walking to elementary school, and we're going and then there are these Gore people, the white people, they're walking by us, or driving oh by God. us, sorry, and they threw garbage at us. Oh my God. Like little kids in kindergarten, grade one, they're throwing garbage at you, adults. So then you're like, that's blatant racism. Yeah. So, okay, that time, like, you're scared as a kid you go home and your parents like brown parents they're like oh you know what get tough you know what they they do this to you you do you know you be like this with them that type of stuff so it makes you stronger more resilient yeah and then when you're talking about the underlying racism is when you're going with your friends um or your your friend's birthday party 
and then they're just they treat you a little bit different. Yeah, I know what you mean. From no, you don't. You when did you experience that? I don't. I don't know. I never experienced it. Luckily. But okay, okay. You. But like I know. You can. You can understand. About. Yeah, I understand. Okay. Yeah, about. because then it would be like um, they treat you just a little bit different than what the other kids are being treated as. Yeah. So, like in elementary school, I always thought that there was something off about us. Okay. As a child. And having immigrant parents who had no concept of what racism, like the underlying racism Mm -hmm. stuff was, right? They dealt with everybody. Like, you know, somebody came and back then the the gas tank never used to have a lock on them. So somebody came and unlocked our gas tank and they put salt into our, the gas tank. So then our engine blew. Yeah. My mom and dad, like they were, okay, what happened with the engine? Oh, somebody somebody did this so they dealt with that kind of racism mm-hmm. all the time um Bill and mama get into fights with guys because you know they were picking up picking on all the other brown kids at school yeah you know and being racist and Bill and mama being the tough guy going out and fighting these guys those things i like i keep telling you they're easier to deal with mm-hmm. and then the other stuff your teachers like your teachers just treating you a little different, like a little bit like, oh, you know, you don't understand, like, you know, I remember, I think it was in grade two, Mrs. No, I won't say. <laughs> Anybody went to Fairview Elementary uh, can go like research. Gonna you never know. Um, but my grade two teacher, she would be like, Sukji, you're in Canada. What? You're in Canada now. This is not, this is not how, um, this is, this is how things gotta be. So like what, just, you're like, okay. Yeah. Guess what immigrant mentality my parents had. What? My parents actually went to school and told my teachers they could hit me and beat me up. (laughs) If we weren't behaving. No way. Yeah. Immigrant parents. Because they think corporal punishment is the answer to everything and anything. Okay, let's stop talking about how white you were. I wasn't white. My surroundings were white. Okay, but when did you start accepting who you were? High school. Mm -hmm. So grade 11, grade 12, I started coming into really appreciating who as who I was mixed with the kid who grew up in Nanaimo but also being the brown person that I was yeah so a lot of people are gonna be like hey, can be a brown brown okay like you know the Punjabis that we were um yeah so that's when I started adapting more to it appreciating more of our brown culture loving our culture getting into the music a little bit more and what was your first brown music song okay so there was a group called alop yeah and then they had one song right after that came mulkeet and he came out with his golden or Midas touch or something. I think that's what it's called, Midas touch. Tutuk, 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 tutuk. Sorry. Tutuk, tutuk, tutuk. Like that times five. Yeah, right, right. So that that album. That came oh, out. Six song. Six song, right? So that came out and that actually, oh my God, repeat every single song on that cassette. Both sides. You'll never know what that means, but cassette both sides and then that's so what that means like when you flip it it has a different album on it oh my god it's not album it's just a cassette so you listen to one side then you switch the side and then you have the do you not know what a mixtape is but what a mixtape is what's a mixtape so tape that you have all your music on no oh my god so jessica there were times that with English music that your favorite songs Duran Duran Live Forever um, 
they were favorite your favorite songs that would come on the radio and you would literally be listening to the radio and you would hit play record at the same time on your tape recorder and you would record songs your favorite songs from the radio so you could listen to them anytime that was our pirated version huh like, what happens if you're in the middle of that and then you start yelling at you? No, no. It's still recorded. But, so it was like a parted like, version. Did you hear, like... No, I don't... Did you hear Nani yelling at you? No, I don't think so. I don't remember. I actually don't remember if that happened. No, there were other times that we were doing it off of, like, albums, like record albums. Mm-hmm. That, yes, then people would hear it. Because we did that as well. Like, you play the record player. Yeah. And then you want to put it on cassette. Because that was the new... Tec- not the new technology, but the technology that was of the day. And then you would try to record it. And then you would listen to it on your Sony Walkman. The modern stuff... You know what the- Sony Ma- Walkman is? I know what the Walkman is. What's a Walkman? It's like a portable like little thing that has, like... I don't know why I'm doing hand signals. You know, like, the... Is a cassette player. Yeah, the cassette player over here, and then you put the headphones in. You know, at one time, I I used... You know what, in time, I used to alphabetize my uh, cassette. Of course you did. I used to alphabetize my cassette uh, collection, and I, one time, I think I had 150 cassettes. So where are they now? Um, Back in, like, 2000-something, I threw them all out. Yeah, I threw them all out. And then to this day, I know exactly where I was. I was in a basement in Brookside. And I'm like, oh, I'm clearing out all the old trash. And I'm like, oh, I don't need these anymore. And this is because cassettes became CDs. Wow. And then, do you know what CDs are? Yeah, man, I was in that era too. Shut up, you were not in the era of CDs. No, yeah, I was. You've been the iPod era. Oh, no, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Since since you're a baby, I think we've had iPod. No. No, Dad had that big iPod. You know what I remember from CDs? I remember the big, like, the big book of CDs, basically, that Mm -hmm. had, like, movies and stuff, and you would flip through, and you know, like, that CD, portable, like, um... CD CD player? DVD player? player. Yeah, the DVD player, the portable one. The one we would take on our trips. Yeah. So I would pick the movies out that I wanted, and then I would um, put it on, like the, uh, I think it was the one that I always watched was the, a Barbie one. Dad would play, I remember we were at McLeod Road, and we would come pick you up, and we had a minivan for some reason for a while there, and it had a DVD player in it, Oh. and Dad surely movie would come on, because you'd play that every time he came to pick you up. Mm. The CD players were the sick. It mm. was sick. And TVD. Okay. CD was music. TVD was the movies. Okay. Okay, Jessica. <laughs> it's a circular. It's not. Wasn't Jessica hard. wasn't the same thing. Two different formats, okay, but we won't get into that. I went through something to play something. Oh my god, millennials. I'm not. A, <laughs> what are you? I'm a Gen. I'm Gen Z. What is? Oh, you're beyond was it millennials? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like Who's millennial? Kevin and Devin are. No, they're not. Yes, they are. No, they're not millennials. What are they then? Google it. They're not millennials. Yes, they are. No. Oh my god. Hold we on, I gotta back. Google this. Okay, we're back now. Did you figure it out? I figured out the generations. So I'm Generation X. And I fully thought you're a boomer. No, I'm not a boomer. I'm Generation X. Yeah. And then you guys are millennials. I'm not a millennial. Not you, you, not you, but your brothers are millennials. But Devin and you both can fall between Generation Z. So you're definitely Generation Z. Devin is right in the middle of Generation uh, Y and Z. And Kevin is Generation Y. And Mama and Dada are Generation X. Oh my god, we're rubbing Devin's face. He's been being like, I'm so glad I'm not Generation Z. Yeah, he's almost in the, he's like right at the cutoff. So he could actually be. Exactly. 
So he couldn't. This bayou is making fun of me for it. Hmm. How rude. So Jessica, you guys have grown up with an exposure to a lot of different kind of music. You guys had, from me, you guys had country music. You had Brian Adams. Then you had like Duran Duran and Nelly and all that kind of stuff. Like hip hop and all those. From your dad, you had heavy metal, ACDC. Honestly, when, did dad ever tell you this? Tournament, uh, Kick Fest, they're playing another one, Bites of Us. Mm. I was singing my heart out with it. And yeah. then my coach looks at me, he's like, How do you know this? Hmm. I was like, My dad played this the entire. Like, another one, since- Bites of Us, another one gone. That's actually your mom's song. Oh, not your dad's your mom's but your dad's yes definitely he went up to dad van halen acdc yeah. all those kind of yeah you guys and then you guys got exposed to that music mm-hmm. and then you guys got exposed to all the punjabi music as well that is true so you know you had um just some great uh exposure to a lot of different variety of stuff you guys are so privileged. I mean, like, how lucky are you? And, oh, by the way, this used to be like my one of my all-time favorite songs. You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Oh my god, I'm turning off. Oh my god. the type of podcast. actually bought me this. I have an album of this song. Or did you throw it out? No, I still have it. Okay. Okay, so mom, what was your guys' music at your wedding? <laughs> Mixed. Okay. So we had brown music, mm-hmm. which was like, remember I told you Mukith and that music that was coming out of England. Yeah. The brown music that was coming of coming out of England, that... Mixed with a lot of English music. ACDC, Brian Adams. Um, yeah, th- that kind of music. Okay, so before brown music started to be more popular, what did you guys do in the weddings? Like receptions? Jessica, I actually remember going to receptions where we, Indian recep- receptions, brown people. Yeah. Where we dressed in white dresses, like Western attire. The food that was served was prim and proper Western food, Mm -hmm. sit down dinners, Mm -hmm. that kind of receptions. We, there's no, I didn't, I had no clue what butter chicken was until I was like a freaking adult. So Jessica, you realize with receptions and weddings, with like weddings, the gurdwara, everything was always the same to even this day, Mm -hmm. you know, same kind of menu, a little bit more elaborate, but same thing. But receptions we had, um, originally we used to have a very Caucasian menu, You, you know, like prime rib, chicken sit down dinners white wedding like even the guests all wear wore dresses and stuff like that right and then to yeah. the day where now mine and your dad's reception consisted of people cooking brown food like goat curry and all that stuff like that the first time i had butter chicken was probably these Okay, mom. So we talked about music. We talked about growing up in Nanaimo and everything. Speaking of growing up in Nanaimo, do you realize that as a child and even as a teenager, I didn't know what Diwali and Basaki really were. Basaki I knew as a teenager. Yeah. Diwali I did not know really until I moved to Surrey. I know you talked about it a little bit, but like I don't know... The full, like, yeah, so 
Vasaki, I know because in high school, mm-hmm. we used to come to the Nagar Keetan in Vancouver. Because mm-hmm. Surrey didn't have one, only Vancouver had one. And we would come to that um, every April. Yeah. And then not every April, like starting grade, I don't know, grade 10, 11. And then we would come to that and then we would come for years to that for that. But Diwali, I remember just... Only thing I remember is once in a while, Nani lighting um, a homemade diva from Atta. So she would take Atta. Oh, she still does that. She would take Atta. Did she? Yeah. Okay. I remember. She uh, always does. Yeah. So she used to take Atta and she used to make a diva and then she used to light it. And that used to be our Diwali. We had no clue. She would do it and we'd like, yeah, my mom's done something, whatever. She's made this thing with, out of, you know, flour, atta. And we had no clue what it was. And then we moved to Surrey. And then we started realizing, oh, okay. So even Surrey, okay, so back in the day, like in 98, Surrey wasn't what it is today. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't as predominant as it is you know with all the festivals and stuff like that and then slowly every year you know we would go to the Gurdwara Matadek and then we would light the diva and then so more and more and more and to the point of where now I know almost every festival that goes on yeah so like how did you like find out just through when I started working in my immigration company. Which, like our zoo? Our zoo, yeah. Because so, until I started hanging out with the people at our zoo, I still wouldn't have known. Say I didn't... You're Masya. Yeah. And your uncles and aunts outside of how many people actually know what's going on with all the festivals and stuff. <laughs> they know Christmas... They know all the other holidays. Christmas Christmas is huge in our family. But um, even then, your Masians and Mustards and all those people, they know all the English festivals. They know all the English music. Huh? Holidays. Holidays. Sorry. (laughs) Immigrant. Sorry. So then... The thing is, though, I did, I still wouldn't know, and you guys wouldn't know, and this is why I appreciate what I do as a living, because mm-hmm. if anything, I think I brought more culture into my family, hence my extended family, because I explain this all to your aunts and everybody, too. Yeah, um, so when did you start Arzu? I started immigration, actually. 15 years ago, October, end of October. Our zoo, I started 10 years ago yesterday. Oh, yesterday? Yesterday was my anniversary. So I was seven. No, you weren't seven. I'm 17 right now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Because, yes, because 15 years ago, you were almost two. Okay. So... What about when I went to Macau Road? I would we would still like celebrate Diwali and stuff. Mm-hmm. You never knew what it was, or like, you knew what it was. You just didn't know the background. I knew what it was, and then I just did it as like all the other white people there. <laughs> I swear to God, I'm not lying. <laughs> I'm not lying. How you being the back president and not knowing what you were celebrating? No, I knew what we were celebrating. I know what Diwali meant. Okay, we didn't have Wikipedia. We actually, I, I owe a lot to being in Surrey. Because, yeah, I think, you know what? It's probably saved our family in the sense of the community. Culture. Culture, Yeah. Yeah, but then there's still people who don't think we're cultured enough. Oh, I know that. Which is, I know you know that for sure. I know that for sure. Because hmm. every time everyone's like asking, I was like, "Well, like, where is your parents from?" Well, like, my mom grew up here, my dad grew up here. Hmm. My mom grew up in Nanaimo, a small town. 
same as my dad, but my dad grew up in a, in a smaller town. town. Yeah, a smaller town. And you know what the thing is, though? I think I'm dissy through and through. Oh, yeah. I think I'm so dissy mm-hmm. because through my friends and extended family, I think I was the dissiest. But then I married a guy. <laughs> Not at all dissy. Not dissy who in who his music. Not dissy. He didn't even know how to speak Punjabi. Hey, I get hey. Okay, mom. In Nanaimo, did you have any brown representation? No. Not one? We had one girl who became Miss Nanaimo, who I thought was just like, oh my God, like I obsessed brown? Me. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Her skin was brown. Oh my God. That was it. So who was your role model then? Oprah. Yeah. And... I don't who was her role model? Cherry Fox? Mm-hmm. My PE teacher? And PE? Yeah. Oh, physical education. No, I know that. But like who's your PE teacher? Miss Newstead. So okay, why were the these people your role models? So Oprah, just because she was a different color than anybody else on mm-hmm. TV. So she is probably the closest to who I was. Mm-hmm. And then Terry Fox, just because I admired him, just because this guy, he had cancer, he was suffering through everything and then he decided he was gonna just defy um all the odds and whatever he's gonna go out and he's gonna raise money and just just his have you read about Terry Fox every year no you guys you just got you haven't researched Terry Fox you guys know him as the Terry Fox run yeah yeah there's more to that like you gotta read and be and read about him, Cherry yeah. Fox, and what he went through. How what was the struggle? Where was his mental space at? It's actually pretty good. Okay, mom. So clearly, your role models growing up weren't brown. Mm-mm. So did that ever set limitations? Probably because I didn't know what I was. It was possible for me to accomplish. I thought there were, there was a ceiling on what I could do. And then uh, there was nothing like even arguing and trying to make your parents realize what you wanted to do was such an uphill battle. Like you just couldn't convince them. And why was that? Because they had their own understanding of what, um, they wanted their brown kids to be right Hmm. so they wanted them to be good children they wanted us to be successful academically Mm -hmm. but then they had roles and not only brown kids even the white kids have these roles like women like you know you go into the secretarial pool Mm -hmm. You go into teaching, yeah. that kind of barriers. And that wasn't just on the brown kids. I think it was on all the girls back then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, where, what was your first reaction when you started to see more brown representation? Huh. Jessica, you're probably going to be shocked that... Gandhi was the first brown movie that I ever watched. Really? Or where there's brown representation okay. that I remember completely like, okay, mm-hmm. it was an event in our family to go watch that movie at the theater. And then after that, 
today in my memory, bend it like Beckham. What? Ben, have you heard of bend it like Beckham? No. What, Jessica? What have I raised? Have you never watched the movie Bend It Like Beckham? Nope. The more you say it, the less I would remember. Okay. Watch that movie, Praminda Nagra. That was the actress. Nagra. So, what? actually, I'm trying to think. That was the first Brown movie. Okay, mm. let's move on. So, let's talk about Nana's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to explain how he died first? He, so I was 11 years old and he was supposed to be released from the hospital that day. And Billy Mama, Nani, and Mother Mama had to go, had gone to the hospital to go grab him. And he was going to go shower. And he, when he was going to go shower, he was throwing up at the same time he slipped in the tub and fell. Mm-hmm. So he went unconscious at the same time he was throwing up. Oh my God. And he choked to death while being unconscious. So how did you find out? I found out. <laughs> Sad, Jessica, because it took me a long time to be comfortable in telling this story. Um, it actually, he, I found out by somebody telling somebody else on the phone that my dad had passed away. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then... Yeah, nobody came to tell me. So they came to get me. Yeah. To go to my aunt's house, but nobody came to tell me. So then while they're like, I was in my nighty, and they, because my favorite TV show was going to get a spin-off that day. So when everybody was going to the hospital, I wanted to stay home. And then I'm like, okay, I'm going to watch spin-off. So back then, we didn't have all these recordings and stuff of TV shows. We had to watch it when it came on. So when this TV show was coming on, I was staying home to watch it. Mm -hmm. And then... um, so I didn't want to go to the hospital. So then after a few hours, these people came yeah. and they, when they came to get me, they're like, you know, you got to go home or you got to go to your aunt's house. And then I'm like, oh, I can't go to my aunt's house because we don't talk to my aunt. And then, but they're like, you got to go. And I was changing. And literally I'm at the point of where I'm taking my nighty off yeah. to change into clothes. And I hear them telling somebody else on the phone that, oh, then the ball ball Margia. My that Paul died. Oh my god. And that's how I found out my dad died. So then they're like, Paul died. Paul. Mm. And then we went to my aunt's house. And everybody is just bawling and crying. I walk in and the only reason, Jessica, I cried because I had no clue what was going on as a child. The only reason I cried is because my mom was crying. No. Yeah. The only reason I cried is because my mom is crying and my mom's fainting and my mom's upset. I had no clue what what else was going on. And then what? Then we got sent to the room. Then all the people kept coming to the house. And... Absos. yes. And then it was... Then Nanaimo Dani was like saying to Bobby Masi, like, oh, she's so upset. Mama died. Her mama died. Her mama's gone to India. Mm -hmm. And... Oh, so she's telling Bobby Masi that your mama's gone to India. Nothing happened. Don't worry. Don't cry. Everybody's paying attention to everybody else. Me and Bilu Mama are the only two people nobody's paying attention to. No way. Yeah. 100%. My mom at this point is just passing out. They're giving her smelling salt to wake her up. Me and Bilu Mama are just looking at each other like, what the hell is going on? So I don't know how Billy Mama processed it. You can talk to him about it. 
how I processed it at the time was like even though I know he died mm-hmm. I just kept saying to myself so the story I started telling myself as a child yeah. was that my dad's gone to India yet and he will eventually come back oh my god yeah and I never dealt with it until I was in high school so then how did you like overcome the death little bit in high school yeah. little bit Somewhat in grade 10, Miss Newstead, remember the teacher who I said I admired? Um, her, because she helped me walk through it. And then, not until I, Jessica, I was an adult. Not until I had Kevin and Devin did I ever go through um, having lost my dad. My God. Yeah, no support, no counseling, no therapy, no nothing. Nada. Do you think that was that trauma? There was a lot of triggers. <laughs> I'm just asking now. Yeah, sure. Ask. Hundred and ten percent. There's so many triggers that happen because of all that stuff. Okay, so just the last couple of questions. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think your past made you stronger? Yeah, 110%. Yeah, for sure. Like, can you give us an example? I think I have that mentality when anything comes to push and shove that I've got to get something done and that's something I can, I know for a fact I can do it. Like, does it matter, like, when everything is falling apart around me, I can step up and I can be in charge and I can take anything, like, by the horn and, like, okay, I can get this done. Do you see yourself in your kids? All the time. All the time. I see myself in Kevin in the perfectionism the understanding of where he's at i see myself in devon as in the emotional state in his heart how he's loving and caring and i see you all the time like i think of myself and you all the time how you're tough when you argue when you fight you know what you want when you advocate for yourself all the time like there's so much of me in you that I don't even know if you realize it but one day you will because I don't know if I if I'm successful I don't know if I'm good I don't know if I've done anything great but something I think I've done throughout the years is through my kids. If you had one thing to say to your past self, what would it be? Hmm. Jessica, that's probably one of the most important questions you could have asked. Because if anything I've realized over the last little while is that question to myself and I would say to myself to my past self you did good you did good you are a good person you have accomplished way beyond what you ever thought you could if you could visit yourself from your past to your who you are today and what you've accomplished i would actually be really amazed and proud of myself for what i have done because i have great kids i have a great sense of getting things done and all that other stuff 
and then yeah i i think i think i did pretty good um okay mom so the last question mm-hmm. if you could go back in time to your younger self what advice would you give her I would say that one, you're okay. You're fine with who you are right now. And everything is going to turn out to be okay. You're a lot stronger than you think you are. You've accomplished a lot more than what a lot of other people will ever accomplish in a lifetime. And you need to be easier on yourself. And you need to accept and love yourself for who you are right now. Okay, guys, that's it for the podcast. Thanks for listening. And thanks for mom to coming out and sharing her experiences. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate all of you listening, and thank you. Bye. Bye.